Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission here at Heritage is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for each other. I hope and pray that the message you're about to hear does that for you. And remember, you're always welcome here at Heritage Community Church. Today we're going to continue this amazing series we've been in called How Sweet the Sound. And where what we've done, if you're kind of new to us today, and we thank you if you're new today, but we've taken some of these great hymns of the Christian faith and brought a little bit of their meaning and understanding to the song. And what's happened over the last couple of weeks is that this deep sense of God's presence in his teaching to our soul has come through these songs. And today's no different. This is one of my favorite songs of all. And I don't know about you, but man... When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, you but that song ministers to me there's something about the lyrics of this song that even through tragedy and through pain I can still praise him I can still worship through the struggle and so what I want to do is I want to bring some awareness to the lyrics of the song and talk about scripture in Psalms where it simply says this and it's our key verse It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I want to read that again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Horatio Gates Spafford was born in New York on the October 20th, 1828. But it was in Chicago that he became well known for his clear Christian Um, A testimony. His life exemplified Christ. He and his wife, Anna, were active in the church and their home was always open to newcomers. They counted Dwight L. Moody, one of the famous preachers of all times, a very close friend. They were blessed with uh, five kids, a lot of wealth. Horatio was a lawyer and owned a great deal of property in his home city. Not unlike Job in the Old Testament, the Bible, tragedy came in great measure to this happy home. When their four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., died suddenly of, a, of, of a, a disease. Then only a year later, in October of 1871, massive flames swept all through his home 
city. You guys know what happened and burned down property after property to which he lost a lot of property. A hundred thousand people were made homeless. Three hundred people lost their lives. And despite their loss in money and in property, the Spaffords sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who needed help. Two years later, in 1873, Spafford decided that his wife and children, now four, all girls, should take a vacation trip to England knowing that his friend Dwight L. Moody would be preaching there in the fall. Horatio was delayed because of business so he sent his wife and children on ahead. His wife and his daughters, 11, 9, 5, and 2, were all on the boat. And on the 22nd of November, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, their ship was struck by an iron sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives as the ship sank in only 12 minutes time. All four of his girls perished. But remarkably, his wife, Anna Spafford, survived the tragedy. Those rescued, including Anna, who was found unconscious, floating on a plank of wood, subsequently arrived into Cardiff, South Wales, and upon arrival there, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her husband, which included the word, saved alone. Mm. Could you imagine? Receiving her message, he set off at once to be, re to be reunited with his wife. One particular day, during the voyage, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the ship, pointing to his charge. His charts. He explained that they were passing over the very spot where their ship had sunk and where his girls had passed away. It is said that, that there at that moment, Spafford returned to his cabin and he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way. He said, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well. Now, how can you worship through that type of tragedy? How can you worship through that type of pain? How can you look over the very spot where you know the ship sank and the ship went down and all the children that you had left passed away at that right there at that moment, at that marker, they were gone and you could go back to your room and say, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. Now, do you think he believed it? Let's be honest. He knew what he was supposed to say. He knew what he was supposed to feel. He knew who God was in his life, so he knew the truth of his word. He knew that whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well. But have you ever been in a situation where you knew what to say, but it wasn't necessarily how you felt? <laughs> Am I talking to somebody today? Where I know I'm supposed to say God is good. I know I'm supposed to say he's gracious. I know I'm supposed to say he's watching over me. But man, life sure don't feel that way. Horatio's faith never fell. He later wrote to Anna's half-sister on Thursday last. We passed over the spot where she went down in mid-ocean. The water's three miles deep. But I do not think of my dear ones there. Because now they are safe in the arms of God. 
After Anna was rescued, there was a pastor there in South Wales who was ministering among one of the surviving people and he remembered hearing Anna say, God gave me children and someday I'll understand why they're gone. Naturally, Anna was devastated, but she testified that in her grief and despair, she had been conscious of a soft voice speaking to her that said, you were saved for a purpose. Now imagine being a mother. Five children, now zero. And you hearing the words saying you were saved for a purpose. What's your first thought? Can we get real today? What's your first thought? Well, why me? Why not my children? Have you ever thought, is it okay to ask God questions? Is it ever okay to ask God why things happen the way that they do? Have you ever wondered? Let me tell you something. There's an entire book about that where the prophet went to God and said, God, I don't understand why things are happening the way that they are. Why does Israel perish? Why do the children hurt? Why do these happen? Why does the, 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 do all these things happen in our world that aren't supposed to happen? I'm so frustrated and don't understand why. And did you know that through all the chapters of that book God never gave him a sure answer but here's what happened by the end of this book this prophet was able to look at God and say there may be no grapes on the vines there may, there may be no cows in the stall. There may be no, no fruit out there. There may be no harvest. There may be nothing there, but yet I still praise you. You see, we've got to get to that place in our pain and in our tragedy, in our struggle, where we don't necessarily understand why God does what he does, but we still say, yet I praise you. Because whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So what happened in 1881, the Spaffords left America with a number of other like-minded Christians. And they lived in Jerusalem. And there they served the needy. They helped the poor, cared for the sick, and took in the homeless. Their desire was to show those living about the love of Jesus Christ. The original manuscript of Spafford's hymn was only just a couple of, of, um, of um, verses. But through life's instances, through everything that he went through, he began to add on. And he began to add, because life does an amazing thing and it teaches us lessons sometimes we don't want to learn. And life taught Horatio Spafford to say, no matter what happens, I was saved for a purpose. And I want to speak to somebody today that's in pain, that's hurting, that doesn't know how to worship through tragedy. Who, who has forgotten how to worship through some pain, who has forgotten that through every situation, both good and bad, God gets the glory for it. I want to speak to somebody and say that you're here today for a purpose. 
If you've got breath inside your lung, there's still something left for you to do. So whatever you may be going through right now at this very moment, can I say whatever your lot, thou has taught you to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I remember a time in my own life, and I won't go into, in, into great detail because you know it, of when I was sitting in a hospital room, not sure if I'd ever breathe another breath. When I literally looked over at my mom, who's praying for my healing, and saying, Mom, I'm okay, I'm in a good place, I'm in a lot, a lot, I'm in a, so much pain, just if I go, I'm okay. All but just giving up on ever receiving healing. And it took parents who didn't give up in prayer. Parents, can I say something for those out there that still are waiting for your children to come home? Never stop praying. Never stop giving up because the Lord's time is perfect. His time is not my time and, his, and, 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 my, and, and my ways are not His. But let me tell you something. God is good all the time and He always comes through on His promise. So never stop praying for God to work. And it took my mom and dad continuing to pray and dad at about midnight one night and if you read the word there's a lot of good things that happen at about midnight. He began to dance around in the room. He began to praise and worship God and the nurses probably had no idea what was going on but he served a God that they might not have known about and he knows of the healer of Jehovah Rapha who can heal at an instant. Now let me tell you something, healing is this, is this big thing because we expect God to just heal us on this side of heaven all the time and if he doesn't then we get upset. Let me tell you something, healing comes in all forms. And sometimes our healing doesn't come until we're on the other side of heaven. But I was saved for a purpose. I was saved for something better, for something different. And the Lord in that moment sought to speak through a lady who I didn't know. She pastored a church a half an hour from where we were. And the Lord woke her up at about midnight and said, you need to get in your car, drive over to this hospital on this floor at that room, and you need to go pray for somebody because there's a pastor's kid that needs healing. Why do you think the Lord spoke to her? Because it was an answer to a prayer that was already happening. How can you worship through pain? How can you worship through trial? Because whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it as well. And so this lady hops in her car. She drives over to the hospital, comes up to our floor, to my room, knocks on the door, said, are you a pastor's kid? My dad, and probably shocked, said, well, yeah. And she walks in and begins to pray. Now, I was in the hospital 27 days. Seven of those in ICU. We're on about day 2021 now, and I've got no hope and nothing left to really live for. And after she prayed, that next day I was eating food again and I was getting in my own clothes and I was signing papers and I was exiting the hospital to all the nurses surprised. They didn't know what had happened, but I know what had happened because the Lord saves. He is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Oswald um, uh, Chambers had this great quote that I love where he said, any great calamity in the natural world, death, disease, bereavement, will awaken a man when nothing else would and is never again the same. 
We would never know, get this, we would never know the treasures of darkness if we were always in a place of, of just being safe. Treasures of darkness. What is treasures of darkness? And that's what I want to preach on for just a moment today, if you'll allow me. What are treasures in darkness? And it are those things that you grab a hold of in the middle of your trial that you just can't let go of. The peace of God, the um, awesomeness of God, the promises of God, that even through the struggle, the treasure in darkness are those things that we hold on to that keeps us going one more day to where when we do get to the other side, we now understand why we went through what we did because the Lord was giving us little treasures along the way so I could grab a hold of that would make me even better when I came out of my healing so I go to Psalm 73 we have Asaph here who had pain in his life too and he says that the nearness of God is my good I want you to listen to what he says Psalm 73 verse number 21 when my heart was grieved and my spirit listen, oh my gosh listen he, he says, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast, yet I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you my flesh and heart may, may, may what? fail but God is my strength of heart and my portion forever those who are far from you will perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you but as for me it is good to be near God do you understand that the presence of God is all that you need the presence of God just coming into his presence saying God whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is good to be near God so my question for you this morning is this how can I still worship amidst tension how can I still worship through pain how can we still worship when the enemy tells me that my circumstance will dictate my involvement in praise how can I still worship through trial? Because let me tell you something about praise. The Bible's very clear that your praise is a weapon. Did you hear me? My praise is a weapon. My worship I carry with me everywhere that I go. And if the enemy wants to beat me, he attacks my praise. So what happens? I walk to church and I'm sitting at church on Sunday morning and the only thing that's on my mind is the argument I had in the car on the way here. And he defeats my praise. I can't worship now because what happened just that morning. I'm sitting in church and the only thing on my mind is that meeting with the kid's teacher that I had. And I just can't understand why it happened. And now my praise is beaten because I've got so much on my mind. I come into church and I sit here and all's on my mind is that bill that came unexpected and I just don't know how I'm going to pay it. So my praise is hurt because I'm focused on my circumstance. I, come, I, I, I just come into church and I can't seem to concentrate on what I need to. My focus just isn't there. What do you think that is? It's an attack of the enemy on your mind. It's the attack of the enemy on you. Why? Because 
He knows the Bible more than you do. He knows that the word of God says that your praise is a weapon against him. So if he wants to get into your mind and to beat you, what he's going to do is he's going to get your mind off the things of God. So he's going to allow you to put your mind and allow whatever's going on in your life to dictate your involvement in worship. And let me tell you something. There comes a time as a child of God and there comes a time as being a Christian coming into church that you have to stand here and say, no matter what's going on around me, yet I praise him. I must worship him through pain. Spirits moving. And the only thing on our mind sometimes is it is not well. It's never going to be well. I don't see a way out of this. How can I position myself in an atmosphere where I can still worship through my pain? Worship through the tension. Music just isn't my taste. It's not my preference. It got quiet. Well, I don't like that song. I'm just not. What do you think that is? The enemy knows that my praise is a weapon. And so sometimes my preference can dictate my involvement in worship. Let that not be so. You say, Pastor. What do I do? I worship anyway. And I'd planned on saying this. It's not in my notes because I didn't want Pastor Kerry to hear it. But Pastor Kerry's here and I'm going to tell him something. I love his worship and I love his music and I love everything he does. But not every song is my favorite song. (laughs) But guess what? Even in those moments, I still worship God. And I still praise him. Why? Because my praise is a weapon. You say, man, that pastor just hasn't preached a good one yet. He just bores me to death. If I want a good nap, I'll just go to church on Sunday morning and he'll put me to sleep. Let me tell you something. I put my kids to sleep every time I preach. What do you do when you come into an atmosphere where you just can't seem to worship? You just can't seem to praise. You just can't seem to get your mind. You see it for what it is. Because my praise is a weapon, the enemy's going to attack it any way that he can. So I know that in that moment, I've got to push through. I've got to keep going. I've got to praise even when I don't want to because my praise is the only weapon I have against the scheme of the evil one. And when he comes at me with everything he's got, I've got to have an arsenal to give back. And my arsenal is my praise. That's time to give Lord praise. Come on. So what do we do? Let's get practical. How do we say it is well when everything around us says it's not? I want to go to another psalm that Asaph wrote. Psalm 77. We're going to start in verse number one. And the first thing I want you to see that when our, when our emotions and our situations tend to dictate what we worship or how we worship, the first thing we must do is in that moment, we've got to send an SOS to God. 
We've got to watch what Asaph did here in Psalm 77, uh, um, 1. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress or trouble, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. But I remembered you, God, and I groaned, I meditated, and my spirit grew tired. Right away, you hear about this man who seems to be in a hopeless situation. Asaph draws pictures with his words that, that just depict that he is sh- struggling right now for instance the word trouble in two describes this uh, being confined walls closing in Asaph felt like he was in a dark place he felt trapped when he says his soul refuses it means that he tried to shake this off by normal means we all resort to but it wasn't working so he closes by saying that when he meditates when he ponders the situation trying to think his way through his issues his spirit becomes weak The reason why his spirit becomes weak is because Asaph had not quite given it to God yet. When your spirit gets weak, it's usually because you're holding on to something you should have already released. When your spirit grows weak and whatever life throws at you, the reason why your spirit, because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is mine. The joy of the Lord is mine. So I shouldn't be weak in the presence of an almighty God. But in those moments where I am weak, it's because I have gotten my mind off of the things of God and I've not released it to him. He was still holding issues close to his chest. His problems overcame him. He stretched out his hand like a drowning man longing to be saved. He was so beaten down that even in his prayer time, he said, I cannot be comforted. Maybe you understand where he's coming from. Maybe you've been there before. But don't miss his first response. In his battle with depression and anxiety and sadness, he doesn't pretend like he's okay. Because let me tell you something. I need somebody to hear this. It's okay to not be okay. Did you hear me? It's okay to not be okay. What's not okay is not telling somebody about it. So Asaph, just struggling with life, he sends this SOS to God. He says in verse 7, Will the Lord reject forever? Can you hear the hopelessness in his voice? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love, oh my gosh, has it gone forever? Has he promised me to fail for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Has anybody else been there? Or am I the only one? Asaph cycled through a wide and uncontrollable range of emotions, but he didn't try to hide them from God. He was real, he was reverent, he was honest, yet humble. He asked God the hard question that sometimes what he went through raises, and we find no indication that God was put off by that kind of truth. God wants us to be honest with him and tell him how we feel. I mean, doesn't he know anyway? 
So why wouldn't we be open and honest with God? So when I'm in that moment where I just can't seem to praise because everything else around me says I can't, I've got to send an SOS to God and say, God, I'm crying out for help right now. I don't know why I can't worship. I don't know why I can't praise. But I'm giving you this problem right now so that it won't affect my weapon. Number two, what do you have to do? You have to choose to redirect your thoughts. You can't dwell on your past hurts. You know what happens when they're in the past? They're gone. I redirect my thoughts onto what God is doing in my life right now. Here's what, here's what he, he said. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. But what did he do? So I thought about the days of long ago. Listen, Asaph deliberately, intentionally put his thoughts on those times when God was so near to him. Even in that instant where he didn't feel God right there in the instant, he said, you know what? I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be worried. I'm going to put my mind back on that time when I remember God as close to me as he's ever been before. So I remembered all those times long ago because it was in that season. Watch this. Then I thought to this, I will appeal. The year when the Most High stretched out His right hand. I will remember the deed to the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. I'm going to go back and remember those moments when you were the best. I'm going to remember those moments where you were the closest. When you're in your season of how can you say it as well? Because I'm not focused on my pain but rather I am looking to the goodness of God because here's the promise the Bible says he's the same yesterday today and so that means that if he's been good before then he can do it so I don't put my mind on things that are going wrong in my life but rather I look back to the goodness of God and saying God I need you to do it once more in me So what I do practically for, for, for me, because even as a pastor, and those of you that have high positions of, 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 of leadership, sometimes it can get lonely. Sometimes it gets lonely at the, the, the top and you just don't know what to do. And when church stuff happens and when life stuff happens and when all this stuff happens and I get down and out, what do I do? I have a rainy day drawer. And in my office, if I turn around and directly to my left, I can open up a drawer and I have letters and copies of, e of, e of emails and notes of when all this, the kids that I was a youth pastor over and all the adults that I was a pastor over when they would text me and email me and write me and say how the Lord has, done, has been so good to, to, to them and how the Lord's moved in their life and I keep copies of all of it because there are days when I struggle and there are days where I have pain and there are days when I get even dis depressed, anxious about things going on and so what I do is I open up that drawer and I remember the good that God has done before and I remind myself that if God could do it that day then he could do it again so there's no reason for me to be upset there's no reason for me to be depressed there's no reason for me to be anxious why? because my God is good 
So I keep that drawer. And I've got to remind myself, stop dwelling on the negative, but focus on the goodness of God. Number three, to diminish my problems, what do I have to do? I have to magnify God. Magnify God to diminish your problems. You see, there's something about worship that just heals the soul. But worship is not the natural instinct of a person that feels the way to the world. We don't say, we don't want to say sometimes it is well. Because when it all closes in, we tend to want to pull the blanket over our head and we want to bail out and we want to hide because we think if I hide long enough, it will just go away on its own. And my God, there's too many people in this world that need the love that only a Savior can bring them. But instead of this SOS crying for help, instead of remembering the things of old, what do they do is they pull the covers up and they say, I'm just going to hide from the, the, the world and I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to hide because if I hide, at some point it has to go away. I tell my staff all of, the, all of the time, I say you deal with issues when they're issues. Issues are not problems. But issues undealt with become problems. And when problems arise, they're much harder to deal with. So in the moment, you deal with it then. And you, and you, and you deal with it there. And I'm telling you, church, I came to encourage somebody who walked in today upset about something that happened yesterday. Don't wait to deal with it. Deal with it now. Don't pull the cover up over, over your head and just hide and say that at some point it's just going to go away. No, cry out to God. Say, God, I need your help. I remember what you did years ago and I need you to do it right now. So God, you're so good. I'm going to magnify you so much right now. You're amazing and you're awesome. So God, I need you right now in my life. And when you do that, your problems seem so small because you serve such a big God. Asaph willed himself to worship. What's it say? Psalm 77 again on with the rest of this passage. He said, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Now, this isn't the same God just a couple verses ago who said, where are you? I've stretched out my hand and you're not there. I feel tired in my prayer life. I don't see you. But he remembered the days of old and he saw the water saw you, God. The water saw you. And what did they do? They split. The very depths were convulsed. The Clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded. Your arrows flashed back and forth. What's it say? It's, it's, it says that you did everything for me. When I needed you the most, the Bible said that you were there. So let me tell you something, child of God. If God has done it before, why are we worried about it now? How do I worship through pain? How do I worship through trial? Because he chose me. Because I was saved for a purpose. Because there's something greater. Because my God is good. Because whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. 
Let me tell you something. God never promised that we would not have problems. And we do serve a God of love and just and mercy, of peace, of patience. But let me tell you something too, church, and I want to scare nobody in this room, but I have to preach the truth. I've been called to God to preach the word, to preach the word of God. We serve this God of love and peace, but we also serve a God of wrath. And we forget that when the people, as it was in the days of Noah, when the people were living in sin and doing things that nobody ought to do, God marked Noah and told him to build this, this ark and told him and gave him the dimensions of what this ark was supposed to be and he gave, he gave every instruction that he needed to go through and save the people. All he asked them to do is just preach the word and tell them to get on the boat. So what happened? Some people didn't listen. So what did God save Noah from? God didn't save Noah from the enemy. Satan was nowhere in that story. God saved Noah from God. Do you hear me? God saved Noah from God. We do serve a God of wrath. That's why it's important to live by the word of God and do as what the word of God says and to not get caught up in the things of this world because the Bible said the things of this world don't last, but his ways are everlasting. So I'm telling you right now, church, get right with God and there's no better time to do it than right now. How do, how do I do that? I send an SOS. I cry out to God. I choose to redirect my thoughts. I magnify God to diminish my problems. And when I do that, I can say, and I can have peace like a river. <laughs> hmm. I want the band and praise team to come. Because I feel the presence of God here right now. Hmm. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well. You know, worship and praise is our weapon. I've got more, but the Lord don't want me to go there. The Lord reigns on the just and the unjust. That means problems will come. But I feel like there's some ones in here that have forgotten how to praise through the trial. And instead have found themselves doing what we often do and hiding. And this morning I want to give opportunity to praise. You're in this room and something I've said today has struck a chord with you. You're saying, Pastor, yeah, that's me. I couldn't focus this morning. I couldn't worship like I knew I was supposed to. I had things going on in my life nobody else knows about. 
but I'm tired of this feeling that I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired of this feeling that I have no weapon, that I can't fight back, that I feel weak and power and just powerless. I don't like not knowing that I've got somebody by my side and just feeling that they're walking with me hand in hand. And let me tell you something, church, you have that and his name is Jesus. But we forget that sometimes and I'm throwing myself into that boat too. My wife will tell you right now, how how many Sundays do I go home and say, man, that sermon was the worst one I've, I've ever preached. It didn't land on nobody. It was like hitting a wall, just, uh, just bouncing right back. I've done it so many times. How many times have you gone home and said worship just wasn't there? My wife does everything but hit me and say, would you stop thinking that way? That's the enemy trying to take away your praise. How many people in this room know what it's like to struggle with something and just feel the weight of the world on you so much that you just can't seem to do anything come on let's be honest transparent there's sometimes i go into my prayer closet like i know i'm supposed to and rick i i i don't know what to say i know what i'm supposed to say but i can't find the words can I be transparent and real as the pastor y'all might not want me to pastor you after this is over because i'm telling you that i'm human and there's times where I come and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Because the weight of the world is on me and I've got to make that decision and that decision. And this, you know, one over here is happy, but this one over here is mad and upset. I don't know what to do. I've got to find some middle ground somewhere. You've dealt with this in decisions with the school. What do I do, God? Show me. It's like I need God sometimes to write it on the wall, erase it, and write it again because I'm hard and I'm just, I've got to know that I know that I know that I know. And sometimes we forget that in the middle of this pain that all he asks us to do is trust me. That I've got you. You have a testimony that you're about to share of God's goodness in your life. Because you've seen the world try to take away what you've got. And you've seen God restore everything back even more than what you had before. Why? Because he's good, Nick. He's a good God. He's a good God. There's somebody in this room that needs the reminder that no matter what you face today, He's still the God yesterday, today, and forever. He is still good. So I want to give you an opportunity to praise right now. Would you rise to your feet and stand? And would you? This altar is open. It's going to be open if you want to come up and be reverent to the presence of God. Because look, if you were here, Wednesday night here. I, I, I need you to come here, buddy. I got to stand on this step because you're tall. If you weren't here Wednesday night for class, you missed a lesson and a half that this man right here taught about the presence of God and about how all you need is the presence of God. So you know what's going to take place in the, this altar? The presence of God is here. And that's all you need. So this team's going to sing a song. And for those of you that need to come up here and pray, you come and pray.
If you want to worship and praise right where you are, then don't let your praise go unheard. Worship and praise Him. Send out an SOS to God. Tell Him about what you're going through. But then remember the days when the Lord healed me in a hospital room when the doctor said there wasn't anything that they could do. Go back to that moment where you felt like there was nothing else left to do. And say, God, I know if you did it then, I know you can do it now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Would you raise your hand in this place? God, help us right now. Lord, I want to be reverent in your presence right now, God. So lead us and guide us right now. Lord God, if there's anybody in this room that needs this assurance that you are who you say you are, to lead us to that place where we can say, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. Then God, at this very moment, I give my praise and honor and glory to you. So as this band sings and as they praise, I pray that those who need the power of God would come to this altar and would be reverent in this time of just presence of God. And that they would cry out to you, that they would give it to you, that they would remember what what you've done before, God, and they would magnify you so it'll diminish what they go through. So God, these altars right now are open for anybody who needs to just praise you. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. If you need the presence of God, would you come? And would you kneel and stand and sit? And would you just praise him? Would you magnify God this morning? Come on.